So this morning, we are talking about campfires and road trips. Got anybody who likes campfires or road trips? Okay, I love, I love road trips. And uh, every year, we have a 120 to 140 people that go down to Mexico. How many of you guys have been on our Mexico trip? Uh, probably quite a number of you. Uh, my favorite, two of my favorite parts about Mexico, other than the, the moment where you actually get to give a family a home, that highlights, uh, that, that trumps everything. Uh, but the two other favorite parts apart from that are the road trip down to Mexico. I know you think I'm crazy. Two and a half days driving and three days back, uh, there and back. How could you like the road trip? There's so much good stuff that happens on that road trip. And, uh, and then the campfires that we have when we're in Mexico, during the time we're in Mexico at the campsite uh, where we all gather around a campfire, uh, those are two highlights for me. We've taken 15 passenger vans every year. It's about 12 to 14 vehicles, uh, along with a cube van and a truck and trailer that we drive down to Mexico and back during the spring break. That's a lot of people, that's a lot of drivers, that's a, uh, a lot of potential risk, you know, when you have that many vehicles on the road, and, and God, uh, we thank God that over the last 23 years, uh, there's been no accidents on that trip. It's phenomenal. Uh, when we were assessing the risk of this and the lack of efficiency in driving all these vans down to Mexico, I don't know, it was about uh, nine years ago or 10 years ago, somewhere in there, we said, there's probably a better way to do this. There's probably a more efficient way to go to Mexico than just taking all these vans and it requires so many volunteers and it requires uh, so many different pieces to kind of coordinate and multiple convoys and we should just hire some buses. Because uh, you can imagine the amount of people going down in 15 passenger vans, uh, the challenges that that creates. You know, bathroom stops alone. Uh, you know, we, you have all these vehicles and you have someone that really has to go to the bathroom. And uh, I remember, you know, one time we had to stop on the side of a ro road and uh, Fred, is Fred Wilson here? Not in here? Okay. Um, if, for those who don't know Fred, Fred's really tall and he has, a, he has a few boys and they're all really tall as well. And so we stopped and we went, not we, Fred's son went to the bathroom on the side of the road in a ditch and we just kind of you know, looked the other way and then we, we had this great idea and it was Trent who was just chatting there. Uh, we said, let's drive away. Uh, his son's name is Trevor. I was like, let's drive away from Trevor while he's going to the bathroom and kind of see what happens. So we just start, we started creeping the, the van forward a little bit. And, uh, you know, we can see Trevor panicking and uh, tries to finish up as quick as he can, gets his pants half done up and starts jogging down, down the road. And, you know, we're, we're in the front seats and we look, look through the rearview mirror and we just see this, this head bobbing in behind us. And we're just like going slightly faster than he was able to run, right? And, and so we get, you know, five kilometers an hour, seven kilometers an hour. We're like, pick, we're picking up speed. And, and pretty soon Trevor is in a full-on sprint. And, and he's sprinting. And then uh, Trent gives me this look because Trent was driving. I'm not going to take credit for this. Trent's driving. Uh, and he says, watch this. And he slams on the brakes. And we see, we see Trevor's face, that six-foot-five face that hits the top of the window. And then he disappears behind us. And... <laughs> A few, and a few years ago, 
A few years ago, we were, uh, my wife and I and our three young boys went, and our youngest was you know, still kind of at that age where it was hard to plan bathroom breaks appropriately as well. And we were in Mexico, and he had to go to the bathroom, and it was a bit of an emergency, and there wasn't a place or an obvious space to actually pull over. And, you know, when a little kid has to go to the bathroom, it's like, I have to go now, right? So we're in the middle of an emergency. The only thing we had available in the van was a styrofoam cup. And so my wife grabs a styrofoam cup. And, uh, and so he tried. He tried to go to the bathroom in the styrofoam cap while we're driving those roads in Mexico. And you know how those roads are. Uh, and he must have had a lot of liquid, way more than the styrofoam cup. And... Uh, <laughs> And then we hit a bump, and all, all the contents from the, the cup actually went into a student's uh, corn pops breakfast cereal box. <laughs> but those are the stories of road trips. <laughs> and, I, and I love them, and, and they, they make shared experiences, but, but we said... Again, nine or ten years ago, what if we didn't do this? Like, this, the, let's just get rid of this chaos. We're going to hire buses. We're going to hire some drivers for the buses. And, uh, and so we did. And so we're trying to recruit volunteers because it still takes a lot of people to make this trip happen. And that year, more than any other year, we were not able to find any volunteers. There was... Uh, people that would come every single year faithfully, and we would phone them, and we'd say, hey, are you coming this year? No, I'm not coming. I'm not coming. Nobody was coming. And I said to them, and I said, do you just mind me asking why? And for many of the adults, when we took the buses, even though they had bathrooms on the buses, even though we only had to have four drivers instead of 30 Something was lost in the effectiveness of that trip. And efficiency and effectiveness are not synonyms. And so as I talked to them person after person, I, you know, I had to twist arms to get people that would be willing to sit in a bus and just be a passenger for five and a half days because they felt like their role, their purpose was actually taken away from them in our pursuit of being efficient. And I've thought about that story many times over the years, and, and as we kind of look into a next season, uh, what God wants to do in us, through us, um, and if you're new here, you're visiting us, or you're, you're, you're trying to figure out where you sit, and we welcome you on the road trip and the journey we're a part of here, uh, but when we thought about moving into this facility, one of my greatest fears was that, that this would be viewed as a move of efficiency, not one towards missional effectiveness. And I think it's worth highlighting that when we were doing like setup and teardown in theaters, uh, it was a lot of work. Uh, it wasn't efficient. Uh, and, and I think even just taking a moment to recognize that is important. We have some... Uh, people in this room that have been serving on setup and teardown teams for 23 years, every week. Um, if you've been on a setup and teardown team, I'm just, I'm just going to invite you to stand because this is a. I think it's really important that we honor those of you who've been serving behind the scenes faithfully for 23 years. 
Phenomenal. One of the beautiful things about doing setup and teardown, about meeting in a, in a theater, is that from the very get-go, we never felt like church was about a building. Uh, church was about a mission. Church was about a group of people. Uh, and, and I've had a few conversations with, with people like, when are we going to start calling the building? Because I keep calling it facility or the building. I was like, just call it SunWest. I said, no, actually, SunWest is a group of people. It's a group of Christ followers. That's what SunWest is. And my fear is when we actually have our own permanent space that it is viewed uh, in the eyes of efficiency but not in the eyes of missional effectiveness. We're not interested in getting buses and drivers for buses so that we can be more efficient. We actually, the reason we came here, the reason we felt called here is because we think that God wants us to do some more. We think there's more that God wants to do. We think that we were just scratching the surface of what God wanted to do among us and freeing up some resources and energy from the setup and teardown and focus on Sunday gatherings uh, to being in a permanent place would allow us to disperse that same energy out in more missionally effective ways, not necessarily to be more efficient on a Sunday morning. So my hope and my prayer is that us gathering here actually allows us to spend our resources and that energy. And I'm sorry if I'm disappointing those who, after 23 years of setting and tearing down, you're like, finally, I just get to sit in a chair on a Sunday. I bless you if that's what you want to do, but, but, but I want to say that that is not why we're here. And my hope is that we would create a space and a place and a community here uh, that other people that are far from Jesus would come to meet Jesus. We would create an atmosphere that people want to be a part of. We would create a place where people are equipped and released and sent uh, to follow the mission and the vision that God has given them. This is a missional move, not a move for efficiency. And in fact, even as we were set up and tearing down over the last uh, week here, uh, it's clear to me that this is actually way more work than you think it is. Um, and if we're going to have community groups in here and rental groups, there's probably going to be more set up and tear down. Um, so I just want to be clear from the get-go that this is about a missional, effect missional effectiveness, not efficiency. That's why after the, we took those buses, we only did it one year, because we felt like we missed out on so much of the... Um, why we do the Mexico trip when we chose effect when we choose effect chose efficiency over effectiveness. And every year since, we've gone back to 15 passenger vans. Because there's something that happens on that road trip together. There's something that God does when everybody is a part of it versus when everybody is just a passenger that's going along for a ride. And so this morning is about inviting you to be a part of it. So I love road trips. I also love campfires. That's the second thing I like about the, those trips Campfires are amazing because what happens when you have a campfire, and so in Mexico you think it's hot and you think it's bright, but the truth is it gets dark earlier than you think and it gets way colder than you think. Uh, it gets around zero degrees at nighttime, and so those who have been can, can confess the first trip you came in, you didn't bring enough warm gear because you thought you were going to Mexico and you woke up at 3 a.m. and you could see your breath uh, in the dark and you were freezing, yeah? Can I, anybody attest to that? It's colder than you think. But what happens, in the, every evening we're in Mexico, we build this campfire. And when you're in a dark space, when you're in a cold space, 
you know, we don't even have to announce for everybody to come gather because as soon as that campfire starts up, you know, all, you know, 130-ish people start gathering around that campfire because the campfire creates an atmosphere. It creates a place and it creates a space where people want to be a part of it. You don't even have to go and campaign. Hey, come, come around the campfire. People just start coming. They see the light. They feel the warmth. And as more people gather, people want to be a part of it. And, and so it takes a bit of time to build a campfire. And you can see i got uh, some wood logs here. And there's three main parts to building a fire. you got uh, tinder. Some of you didn't know tinder was anything else other than an app. Um, <laughs> So Tinder is a very inappropriate app, uh, and by mentioning it, I'm not promoting it, uh, but it's, 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 a, it's an app that people use for hooking up, and so when uh, you see a picture of somebody else that's on Tinder and you swipe left to, a, to reject them and you swipe right to accept them, I only know that because I Googled it, uh, not because I have the app. Um, and then if other people swipe right and you swipe right, then apparently it matches you up, and and so you think about the inappropriateness of a Tinder relationship. What is that about? Well, it's, it's like this short, it's not supposed to last longer than that specific hookup. Uh, and that is, I think, as I was researching, you know, Tinder, I was like, that's why they call it the app Tinder, is because it's supposed to be the short spark flame that doesn't last more than a moment. Um, so I'm talking about that in an appropriate way. Let me talk about it in a positive way. Uh, when you're starting a fire, the first step is that you need some tinder, which could be paper, uh, which could be bark, which could be little wood chips like this. And, and so you would set some, some tinder out, and the intent of the tinder is that it would quickly spark, it would take the spark and it would, it would, it would flame up just long enough that it would hit the kindling. And the kindling looks like this. And they are not full-on logs. They're usually pieces of logs, uh, twigs. They burn longer than the tinder, uh, but not as long as the fuel logs, which, which is the last thing you put on. So obviously, you can't put the fuel logs, logs on right away because it'll suffocate the, the flame. And so you're building it slowly. So you go from tinder to kindling, and then you have a fuel log that you will eventually add that looks like this, or something like this. Three parts to the fire, all necessary to create a fire, to create an atmosphere that people are going to gather around. Making sense so far? Now, there's a couple of different structures that you can use when you, when you have a fire. The, uh, you know, one common one that I, that is really the one that I often use is the teepee model. Uh, anybody else use a TP model? You guys don't need Some of you, this is like a trip back to Girl Scouts. Is it Girl Scouts? Is that what it's called? Oh, this could be interesting on here. So you get the idea. This. Oh, there we go. Okay, so you build a teepee and you, ha you, have the, you have the tinder underneath the teepee. And you would light up that tinder, it would hit, it would hit your kindling, and then as that fire is going, then you would start to add the fuel wood 
on top of the flame, and then you would have a, uh, it would get bigger, it would last longer as you add the wood. There's other options you can structure it. You can do, uh, you know, what's, a, what's called a log cabin structure, and you get a couple of woods like this, and you build it cross like this, kind of get the idea there, and then you would take, uh, you would take your tinder, put it in the middle, right? Take some kindling, and you put this in the middle, right? Something like that. Same kind of idea, different structure. And then there's one uh, called a pyramid, where you would take, actually, your, it's kind of like the opposite. You would take your uh, fuel logs, you would add your kindling on top, like so, and then you would put your tinder on top of your kindling, and it would burn down until it hits the fuel logs. So for those of you who never went to Scouts, you're welcome. <laughs> I just saved you from wasting multiple hours of your... No, I'm just kidding. I, I'm sure it was amazing. I never, did, I never did Scouts. So these, no matter how you structure it, though, these pieces are necessary for creating a fire, for creating an environment in which is intended for people to gather around. But obviously, it's not enough. Right? Obviously, if I just set out my tinder and my kindling and my fuel wood, it's just going to sit there like a pointless structure. You guys feeling me? The wood represents your life, your gifts, your talents, your abilities. Some of you are like Tinder in the positive sense. You're really good at starting, initiating. You're entrepreneurial. Uh, you just start something up. And uh, like I, I spent the last couple of weeks... Uh, you know, with Chris King at the back, and Chris is like the positive Tinder. Respect, Chris. Uh, he'd just be like, what's next, what's next? And, and you know, he, he spent, I don't know if you were in here, 30 hours this past week on top of working a full-time job and having kids trying to get the space ready, but he's just getting things going all the time, right? And some of you guys are like that. You like to start things. You like to spark things. And, and that's an important part of building a fire. But if you only have people that are like Tinder... That fire doesn't last very long and nobody gathers. Some of you guys are more like kindling. You, you're not necessarily the one that sparks it or starts it, uh, but you are a connector. You're a bridge builder. You actually take the flame and you're able to take it from point A to point B. Right? Something has started and you come along and you, you make that flame fan. To, you, you fan the flame and it comes to life and it, you prepare the fire for longevity. Some of you guys are like fuel wood. You're consistent. You're dependable. You, you help take the fire and you sustain it over a long period of time. And the Bible talks about lots of different gifts and talents that we're all created differently, but we're all called to be working together to provide an atmosphere and a place, the kingdom of heaven on earth, for people to gather, to find warmth in a cold world, to find light in a dark world, 
We're called to create these spaces and these places for people to gather around. And so the Bible talks about some of these gifts, some of these talents. And uh, in Rick Warren, who leads the church in Saddleback, he, he's, he actually uses an acronym, and I won't go into depth of teaching it at this point. It'll be part of our starting point classes, which we're going to do in fall. But just a quick highlight. Uh, some of you guys have spiritual gifts. Well, you all have spiritual gifts. And uh, he uses the acronym of SHAPE. And so spiritual gift, uh, you, have a, you have a heart for things. Uh, the A is you have abilities and you have uh, certain talents. And, you have a, and the P is for personality, that there's certain types of personalities uh, that, that are unique and they're different than one another. And then you have experiences and those experiences shape who you are. So S-H-A-P-E. And I think all of those things together make you a unique, make you a unique person. And God is calling you and inviting you to be a part of creating a place and a space in which other people will gather. But like I said, if that's all you have, then you actually don't really have anything. If all we have is people, we don't yet have anything. If all we have is a building, we don't yet have anything. Because what you need is the two pieces that are missing, which is heat and oxygen. Heat and oxygen, and I use the word spark. You need, you need a spark, you need that heat source, and you need oxygen to actually breathe life into the flame. And here's the really cool thing. Throughout Scripture, the Spirit of God is referred to with both of these metaphors. Listen to this in Genesis 2, verse 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. The breath of God came into what was lifeless and actually brought life into it. In fact, in the Greek, uh, the word breath is pneuma. Uh, and the word for spirit is pneuma. The word for wind is pneuma. And so we, we actually see these pictures of wind and breath and spirit. They're all kind of interchangeable uh, through Scripture. In fact, there's a, you know, if you know me, you know I like mountain biking, but there's a, there's a ruthless climbing trail in Kananassas. That's about a 10-kilometer climb, uh, and it's called pneuma. And I don't know if anybody else other than those that know Greek, under, understand the significance of the name, but you get to the top of that climb and you can't even catch your breath. I don't know if they also know it refers to God's spirit. So God comes and breathes into the dust of the ground and creates life out of something that was lifeless. We see, we see a similar thing in John 20. Jesus is, meets with his disciples after his death and resurrection. He said, peace be with you as the Father sent me, I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's like this echo of the creation story where God uh, takes these people who are living, 
but He breathes in them the Holy Spirit, and it brings this supernatural, full life that they had yet to experience. In John 20, in Ezekiel 37, we see another similar picture. God speaking to the prophet Ezekiel, He says, Then He said to me, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, and God gave the, kind of this picture of uh, Israel as this, dry, you know, these dry bones, this lifeless form. He said, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath in you and make you live again. I will put flesh, on, flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. In Acts 1 verse 8, you know, after Jesus' ascension, his death and resurrection, his ascension, and the, the disciples are kind of waiting on this promise from God that God was going to send the Comforter. And, 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 uh, and sorry, Jesus promised before, he, before his ascension, he says, you will receive power, and the word for power in the Greek is dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite from. You're going to receive some dynamite. You're going to receive some dynamite when the Spirit, Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses You'll be my witnesses. There's going to be something that is going to affect the surrounding communities and nations. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remote parts of the earth. And then in Acts 2 where this happens, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Remember the wind, breath. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. So I believe that structures are important. I believe that your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your heart, your personality, these are all vitally important to how God has made you and what he wants to do in you and through you and in this faith community. And I believe he wants us to structure and organize ourselves in such a way uh, that it is effective. But we also need to be dependent and realize that no matter what our structure is, whether you're a, you know, we're organized like a pyramid or a teepee or, you know, the log cabin or we're multi-campus or we're not multi-campus, you know, all those things are actually completely irrelevant. Unless the Spirit of God comes in, ignites the logs, unless the, bre the breath of God breathes into the fire, then it's just a structure then we're just people. But I believe that when we're mindful of our uniqueness, we take pride in how we organize ourselves and structure ourselves, but we live in a dependency on the Holy Spirit, voila, you fire. Tom Hanks is excited. Are you excited? <laughs> and so... I am filled with anticipation as we think about this next season, what God wants to do. Um, and I hope you're patient with us over the next couple of months as we, you know, organize ourselves and figure out structures and all the stuff because it's going to take some time. Uh, but ultimately, the invitation is for you, for me to say, you know, this is my gift, this is who I am, these are my abilities, you know, Tinder, kindling, log a fuel log. I want to be a part of what God is doing. But also recognize that without the Holy Spirit coming to infuse what we're doing, uh, then it's actually pointless. 
And the point that the flame, again, is in a dark and cold world, God is trying to create kingdom pockets where people will come to gather, where people will be attracted, where people will come to find light and warmth. And I believe that's what he's calling Sun West to be. One final note as the band comes up. When you want to get rid of a fire, there's one thing that you start with. Is you take the wood pieces and you actually spread them out. Not with your hands, because that would hurt. That would hurt a lot. Uh, but usually with a poke stick, and you would do this, right? You would, you would separate all these things. Break this down. And I believe that one of the significant re- ways that we will not kind of step into what God is inviting us to uh, is if, A, you withhold your shape, your gifts, your uniqueness from the fire, and you decide to be separate. I think two things happen. I think the flame and the potential of what God is doing is less. But it's also significant that it's usually the piece of solo wood that is off by itself distinguishes first. Uh, And I think that disunity uh, and gossip and... uh, Um, and apathy and, you know, just wanting to maybe just sit in the bus in a seat and not participate actually has a negative effect not only on your life but on the potential of what God wants to do among us. And so it's important that we take our shape, we take who God has made us to be and say, you know, we're willing to let uh, my little part be a part of the whole. And this Sunday in particular, and we didn't coordinate it that this talk was happening on this Sunday. You know, we, you know, we've been planning on being in here, you know, for a number of consecutive Sundays, and it kept getting delayed. Um, we still don't own the building, by the way. We're waiting on a phase three. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Grant Smith is already He's had a heart attack. He said, "Don't, don't joke about that." Um, we didn't coordinate that this talk was going to be on the Sunday, but I think it's, um, you know, God has this timing. And I think as we start and we think about, you know, tomorrow about appreciating our past and the volunteers that have been serving, but also in this season as we look forward to the summer and then eventually the fall, we'll do a, we're going to do more of a formal grand opening and we're going to take the summer and kind of get pieces organized and ready. Uh, but we know that what God wants to do in us and through us in this place uh, is only possible through His Spirit Uh, and in partnership with each of us bringing our wood, our lives, our abilities, our passions, our talents, our spiritual gifts, and willing to put them in the fire and say, God, would you light it up? Uh, Would you bless the community around us? And would they come to know your warmth and your light and walk in relationship with you? Let me pray. God, we thank you again just for what you're doing in us, among us. And Lord, I thank you for each individual in this room. Uh, And I thank you, Lord, that you do not wait for us to be perfect before you use us. In fact, uh, in our weaknesses, often people can see your glory 
They can see your light. They can see your warmth as we humbly come towards you, these imperfect pieces of wood, and we say, Lord, this is what I have, and you multiply it, and you use it, and you, you place us together, and you do something more than the, uh, the sum of the parts is more than what we are separate. And Lord, I thank you for each person and their gifts, and I thank you that you are tugging on our hearts and calling us to come together and say, we can do more together. And Lord, I pray that that would happen today and I pray over these next months uh, that you would continue to call us together in preparation for where you're leading us and what you want to do. But God, we also recognize that without your spirit, this is a pointless exercise. Lord, without your spirit, this building is four walls and a mostly functioning ceiling. Lord, without your spirit, we just, we're just structures. And so we need you to breathe life into these dry bones, into this dust, into this, uh, the tinder and the kindling and the fuel wood, Lord, that we need to be ignited by your spirit. And Lord, I pray that as that happens, and Lord, we know that that is your heart and that is your your, your heart's desire for us, Lord, that as that happens, that the communities of Minipore and Sundance and Shaughnessy and surrounding area, Lord, that they would sense the life, the warmth, the light of your kingdom coming to earth. And Lord, there wouldn't even be this creative branding or trying to attract people because when, when there's life and there's fire and there's... Uh, people just naturally come. And so, Lord, we pray that, that people would come, that they would sense your war- warmth, that they would interact with you, that they would encounter you. Uh, Lord, that you would fill every crevice and corner of this space and it would be a taste of heaven on earth today, in our time, in this place. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.